Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's Robert Quintana with his message, The Divine Trifecta, Part 5. I have to say, I'm really excited about today's message. I am. It's my favorite subject to preach about, to talk about. I believe that today's message has the power to free you and for you to experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. I believe that today's message can have that effect on you. It can change your life, renew your relationship with him, restore, redeem, um, all these wonderful things. I think today's message has the potential to do that. I am excited about today's message. Like I said, it is, it is my favorite subject to talk about. Now, you see, most of the year, we talk about things that we can do to improve our relationship with God and with each other. And so sometimes you might come to church and I might have three principles to apply to your marriage or, you know, three steps that you can start incorporating into your spiritual journey to help improve your relationship with God. And, and sometimes we'll talk about outreach and the importance of outreach and the importance of uh, giving to the community. And sometimes we'll talk about the importance of tithing and, you know, the importance of giving back financially and partnering up with God financially. And sometimes we'll talk about church involvement and how important it is for you to serve at your local church and how important it is to spend time in prayer. And so I'll give you some suggestions, some advice on, on how to improve your prayer life and the importance of Bible study. And sometimes the importance of doctrine and understanding, you know, doctrinal beliefs, what we believe is important. And And I feel that sometimes we kind of get caught up in a lot of the do's and don'ts. And you know, we live in a world, in a culture, I don't know for you, I know at least for me, I grew up in a home where, you know, what you did mattered. And what you said mattered. And you grow up in this culture that says, you know, if you want something, you have to work for it. We work out, what's the saying? No pain. No gain. If you want something in life, you have to work for it. My father always used to tell me, there is nothing free in life, son. If you want it, you have to work for it. If they say it's free, don't believe them. Read the fine print, he used to say to me. There's always a catch. There's always a hook. Nothing's free in life. If you want something, you have to go for it. You have to earn it. You have to work for it. That's the culture that we live in. And I feel that sometimes we kind of get wrapped up into that week after week as you come and you listen to messages of how we should improve our behavior and how we should improve our lives. And I think that's important because I think God wants us living our best life and Quite frankly, the Bible has a lot of good stuff about how we can improve our life and how we can live a life that pleases God. And and I think the Bible has a lot of wonderful instruction that 
may at some times go contrary to what we want or how we feel, but we need to push through that and through the power of the Holy Spirit as he convicts us, we need to work on those things in our lives. But sometimes I think we lose sight of what Christ has done for us. We lose sight that this great Christ Jesus Christ, God, became a man and he walked on this planet for the purpose of dying on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sins and my sins. This great God, Jesus Christ. Now last week we talked a little bit about Jesus Christ being God. And in case you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to download the message online, fredericksdachurch.org, or go to our sound room and fill out an order form so that you can hear last week's sermon, because last week's message is important in understanding the magnitude of what we're going to talk about today. You see, because last week we talked about how Jesus is God. If we read the Christian scriptures, the Holy Bible, we cannot walk away thinking anything else except that Jesus Christ is God. Now, you may not understand how that happened, the nuances, the intricacies of how can God become man. We might not understand all the ins and outs of the nature of of Christ while here on earth, that might be a little confusing, but when you read the Holy Scriptures, the Christian Scriptures, when you read through this book, you walk away with the understanding, the belief that Jesus is God. You can't explain it any other way except to say that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to say how the Word created everything before us, that through him everything was made that was made. Jesus is God. And now this great God, Emmanuel, God with us, loved us so much that he transformed himself. Don't ask me how, but he transformed himself. He morphed himself. He put aside his divinity. In other words, he put aside all his divine attributes. He left everything behind and he became a man. And as a man, he lived and walked and breathed. He ate, he drank on this planet as a man in order to die on a cross to pay the penalty of your sins and my sins. Now, I don't know that there are words on planet Earth that can, that can begin to explain the magnitude of what I just said. That God, 
the God of the universe, creator, God, becoming a man to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins and my sins, that's huge. I, I, I don't know that, that we can ever fully comprehend the magnitude of that truth. I think we need to try. I think we need to study it out. I think we need to dive in. But I think that our best attempts at trying to understand what Jesus Christ did for us is only scraping the surface of the magnitude of what happened. That Jesus, God, became a man. You know, I've, I heard a pastor once trying to explain it this way. He said, imagine you, a human, looking down at an ant colony. And because of the choices that this ant colony has made, it is going to self-destruct. These ants are killing each other. They're going to die. And you as a human, you love these ants so much that you decide that you're going to become an ant. And so you put aside all your human attributes, the fact that you can walk on two legs, that you can think, that you can reason, that you can feel, that you can touch, that you can smell. You put all that aside. You leave your family behind, your friends behind. You put all of that behind and you become an ant Knowing, by the way, that these ants are going to reject you, that they're going to curse you, that they're going to turn their backs on you, that they're not going to understand. And, 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 but still, you love these ants so much that you become an ant for the purpose of saving them. He went on to say that I don't know that we can compare the distance between a human and an ant as we can a human and God. It's hard to understand this great love that God has for us. But God, Emmanuel, God with us, became a man in order to save us, to redeem us, to restore us. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. I'm reading from the New King James Version Today, Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. And it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's huge. That is awesome. And I don't know what this does to you, but what it does to me, it says, man, God, how in the world can you be, how in the world can you love us so much? How is it that you, God, are mindful of me? I mean, how can that be? 
And this is the reason why the disciples and the apostles and, and all the followers of Jesus Christ, when they finally got it, when they understood what took place, this is why no one can shut them up. And this is why they went all around saying, we have good news, the gospel, Jesus Christ, God came to earth and he paid for our sins. He has died on our behalf. This great God became a man and he died for our sins and paid the penalty for our sins. The good news, this is why men and women since then and all through the centuries have been giving their lives up for this message. Because it is that big, it is that awesome that God became a man to save you and me. Now the question is, what difference does it make? How does that change our life today? I mean, do we hear this wonderful news, this awesome news, a news that is so deep and so vast that today we're probably just scratching the surface of it, How is it that this amazing news is going to change our lives? Will we walk from this place and just business as usual? Or will this news change our lives and the way that we live our lives? Will we walk from here and say, you know what, this is too much. I need to change some things in my life. I mean, if God loves me this much, I can't go on living the way that I'm living. Change needs to take place. And see, and this is why I believe that today's message can be so powerful, so life-transforming. Because when we understand what God has done for us, there is something that wells up within the human spirit, within the human soul, that says, God, what can I do in return? How can I please you? How can I surrender my life to you? There is nothing more important than you. And that's why I believe that this message is so important for us today. The question is, how will it change your life? It's different for every person here. For every person walking out of here today, you will think of something that's the one thing that needs to change. Or or maybe I need to start living my life a little bit more differently. Or maybe I need to extend a little bit more love to my wife or my husband. Maybe I need to forgive my fellow fellow church member, my friend who I've known for 20 years and and we had a disagreement, an argument. Maybe I I need to just forgive them as, as God has forgiven me. It's different for every person here. But when you hear this story that I'm about to share with you, it can't help but to change the way you live your life. Because this great God, Jesus Christ, became a man. He put aside his divine attributes in order to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. What difference does it make? How does it play out in your life? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I am telling you, this is good news. This is awesome. It, it does not get any better than this. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, there is therefore now, stop right there. What does the word now mean? What does now mean? The, the present. Now means now. Now means right now. Now doesn't mean at the second coming. Now doesn't mean at the last trumpet. Now doesn't mean in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise. We shall put on incorruption. We shall put on immortality. All that's going to happen. But I need you to read with me once again. It says there is therefore what? Now, right now, right here, in this moment, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hello? Amen? Hallelujah? I mean, come on, does that not make you want to stand up and shout? Maybe, maybe not. What's he getting at? There is therefore now, folks, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am surprised at the number of people that I come across on a weekly basis who struggle with the assurance of salvation. They they wrestle with it. And if I was to ask them, if Jesus was to come today, would you go to heaven? Well, Pastor Q, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, yeah. You know, if, if only I got this right in my life and if I broke this habit and this addiction and if only I, I, had, I make these relationships right, uh, Pastor Q, maybe if I read the Bible more, if I went to church more regularly, uh, you know, maybe if I just like prayed more, if my prayer life was it, then maybe I can answer with a yes. Where does the Bible teach salvation by works? Why must we always fall back to it's what I do, what I don't do, what I say, what I don't say that determines my salvation. The Bible is clear. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, not of our works. It's not our works that determine our salvation. Now we're going to get to the, the relationship with grace and works in just a second. You might be wondering about this washer up here. We'll get to it. But the Bible is clear. We're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And if you are in Christ, the Bible says there is no condemnation. You have been justified of your sins. You have been cleared of all wrongdoing. Why? Because Christ paid for those sins on the cross. He paid for those sins. But you see, it's so easy for us to just fall back. It can't be true 
If it's too good to be true, then it's too good to be true. My dad taught me that there's nothing free in life. There's an exception. The Bible teaches us that there's an exception to that. Because the Bible tells us that the gift of salvation is free. It is a gift that he offers you. Because he knows, and if we all were to be serious, and and if we were all to just put aside all of the the, the traditions, and and we were to put aside ourselves, we would also understand that there is no way that we could ever earn it. And so God devised a plan. A plan that would give you a choice to live eternally with him. And so God became a man. And he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. So that he now can say to you, here is the gift of salvation. Here is a gift. Here, accept it. Here, take it. Take it. Let's uh, go back. Keep your finger there in, in Romans chapter 8 because we're going to come back to it. But, but flip maybe a page back, maybe a couple pages to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's offense, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The righteousness that we are offered, it is a gift from Christ, right? Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, Adam's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through your righteous acts, the free gift. Anybody going to stop me? Because that's not what it says. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment, Adam's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous acts, That's Jesus Christ, his righteous act. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. In other words, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. If you are in Christ, you have been justified of your sins. You have been made clean Those sins will not be held against you. Do you see now why the apostles and the disciples of Jesus just went ballistic with this information? I mean, they just went crazy. Everybody has to know. It's not our works that saves us. It's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And all you need to do is believe in the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you are in Christ, you will be saved. 
That's what the Bible tells us. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There is there now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so if you are in Christ Jesus, my friends, there is no condemnation. You have been justified of your sins. Now, the Bible says that even your righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no one, just one that's God. We are filthy rags. Our lives are filled with sin and complication and confusion and selfishness. Our, sin, our lives are filthy. And God has devised a plan to redeem you. But he's also devised a plan to restore you. By the way, my rims are clean this morning. I needed to get this towel a little bit dirtier and so I went out to the parking lot and was, you know, taking the brake dust off of it. And our lives are filthy. And if you are in Christ, okay, this is what he does. And I say this all the time. I say this all the time. God wants to save you from the mess that you're in. He also wants to save you from the mess that you've become. All right. So you're in the washer. For those of you that are listening online or on the radio, I have a Maytag washer, life size, a real washer up here, and I just threw a dirty rag into the washer. Now let me ask you a question. You are now in Christ. There is no condemnation. When God looks at, in your direction, he doesn't see a dirty rag He sees Jesus Christ. You are in Christ. There is no condemnation. But let me ask you a question. Is that rag still dirty? Whoa, 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 wait a second. If the rag wasn't dirty, then I'm saved, right? But how can I be saved if the rag is still dirty? Well, how? Because you are in Christ. Christ. But see, Christ isn't just going to leave you there. God wants to save you from the mess that you're in. He also wants to save you from the mess that you've become. And so guess what? When we are in Christ with the assurance of salvation, I, I have the peace that even though my life is filthy, And even though there are still addictions that I'm struggling with and battling with, even though there are character flaws that I need to work out, even though I, all of this filth is in me, listen, I am in Christ, which means there is no condemnation. But you know what that means if you're in Christ? There's going to be a cycle that you have to go through, a washing cycle. And maybe two cycles. And three, and truth be known, maybe ten. How about a hundred? 
Remember, even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. We might have to go through a thousand cycles. Maybe a million. Maybe we need to be in this washer until the day Jesus Christ comes. But don't ever forget that you are saved because you are in Christ Jesus. You're going to be in that cycle. You're going to be in that wash. You're going to be washed. The Bible uses this um, metaphor, uses this illustration, the refiner's fire. You will be in the fire. God will be refining you. You see, because when you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, revealing and convicting you of your sin. But see, we get into this mindset that in the ups and lows and what I do, what I don't do, what I say, what I don't, that's what determines my salvation. No, what determines your salvation is, are you in Jesus Christ? Are you in the washer? Are you allowing Jesus Christ to wash you? If you are in that state, My friends, you can walk out of here today with the assurance that you will live eternally with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Because this is what we do. These are the kind of questions that we come up with. Well, pastor, how long do I have to be in the washer before I'm made clean? Or What if I go into the washer today and then tomorrow, because of life circumstances, my life is snuffed out and and I'm taken out of this world? Was I in the washer long enough to be saved? What if I'm a crit? What if I've been in the washer for 20, 30, 50 years? What if I've been a Christian all my life and I've been in the washer all my life? Is that good enough to be saved? My friends, What saves us is the fact that Jesus Christ, God, became man and died for your sins. And as long as you're in the washer, it doesn't matter if you're there one minute or 50 years, you can have the assurance of salvation. This is what Jesus was trying to get across to his listeners when he shared with them the parable of the workers. You might remember this parable. You know, the work site opens up early in the morning and he brings all these workers into work and they're working hard. And then a few hours later, a few more workers come in. And this happens throughout the day. At noontime, he adds more workers to the the work. And then just before closing, just before closing, he brings in some more workers. And then at the end of the day, Huh? What happens? He goes to pay them. He goes to to, uh, give them their wages. And he pays everyone the same. It doesn't matter how long you're in the washer. As long as you're in the washer, my friends, you can have the assurance of salvation. If you're in the washer and you've only been in the washer for maybe a week and you happen to die, I am telling you that at the second coming, you will come out of that washer white as snow. I'm telling you that if you're in the washer and you've been in that washer all of your life, 
And at the end of your life, you die. I'm telling you that when you wake up, you will be made white as snow. And I'm telling you that when you've been living with Christ and you happen to be alive, when he comes, you will be made white as snow. You need to be in the washer. In other words, you need to be in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that from that moment on you're going to be perfect. No, you're in the washer getting cleansed. We're told that sanctification is a work of a lifetime. And so this great God becomes man to die on a cross to pay for the penalty of your sins and my sins. And all he says now to you is, will you just accept me into your life? Just step into the washer with me. You can have the assurance of salvation right here, right now. You can have that assurance. Yeah, we will. You will go through a cycle. You, you will go through several Because I want to cleanse you. I want to clean you. I want you to live out the purpose that I have intended for you. And so, yes, there will be ups and downs and you will struggle and there will be sin and you will sin. Absolutely. The Bible tells us that. But the Bible also tells us that if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Let's continue reading Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does that mean? You see, Pastor, we have to walk according to the Spirit in order to be saved, right? Our works do matter. Is that what it's saying? Fortunately, Paul explains what he's saying in just a few verses. So let's keep on reading. In verse 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. So basically it's saying what we've already talked about here, that God knew that you could not save yourself. And so Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh and he lived on this earth and he died to pay the penalty of your sin. Verse four, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There it is again. Paul, what are you talking about? It's a good thing he explains it for us. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, listen to this, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, listen, but to be spiritually minded is life, and peace because the cardinal mind is enmity or separation against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you 
Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. This is what it means to walk according to the spirit. Are you spiritually minded? In other words, are you conscious that you have been placed in a washer and that God is working in your life to help you fulfill your purpose, your intended person purpose as defined by God himself? Or are you carnally minded? When you're faced with a decision in life, do you think, God, Lord, I want to please you. I want to do what you want. That is my desire. Are you spiritually minded? Now check this out. You might get it all wrong. You might get it horribly wrong. You might make a mistake. You may not do what God wanted you to do. But are you spiritually minded? In other words, are you saying, God, help me through the power of your Holy Spirit to do the right thing? Because if that is your mindset, I'm telling you, whether you do right or wrong, there is no condemnation because you are in Christ Jesus. But are you carnally minded? Or are you saying, you know, God, I don't care. I don't care what you want for my life. Yeah, I'm going to do things the way I want to do it. it you know, for, forget you. I, I think this is a better way. And I, 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 or are you conscious? Are you minded? Are you spiritually minded? Are you saying, God, I'm, I'm in a relationship with you. You have granted me eternal salvation. And because of that, Lord, I want to please you. Because of your love for me, I want to love you back. So God, Lord, I'm coming before you and I'm faced with the business decision here. I'm, base, I'm faced with the relational decision here. I'm faced with a financial decision here. God, I want to do what you want. I'm spiritually minded. I'm coming to you because I know I am in you and I know I am in the wash and I know that there are things in my life that need to be worked out and, and need to be cleansed and And God, I know that through the power of your Holy Spirit and through your timing, which your timing is perfect, you're going to rid me of those addictions, of those those habits. You're going to cleanse me. Is that your mindset? We can all leave here today with the assurance of salvation. We can all leave here today and you don't have to question whether or not if Jesus comes today or tomorrow, will I be in heaven? Because God has made it that easy. He paid the penalty for your sin. And all you need to say is, God, I surrender my life to you. I accept your gift of eternal life. And you need to know that by doing that, you're placing yourself in the washer. You are in him. You are in his protection in his care he's not going to leave you that way because his goal his goal is to cleanse you his goal is for you to be as white as snow his goal is for you for you to live out your purpose the way he intended it for you to live out but every one of us here today can walk out with the assurance with the peace that surpasses all understanding that says, God, I am in you and in you there is no condemnation. Our Father in heaven, 
Lord, we humble ourselves before you just now. Lord, and we stand in awe of you because of everything that you did to set us free from the bondage of sin. Lord, you knew that there is no way that we would ever be able to earn this amazing gift. That's why it's a gift. God, just now, I'm just going to put this out there. In the quietness of this moment, with everyone's eyes shut, if you desire to be in Christ Jesus, will you just raise your hand? If you desire to be in Christ Jesus, And experience the peace of knowing that I am saved because of you. Not because of me, but because of you. Will you just raise your hand? There's still junk that needs to be worked out. There's still filth that needs to be sorted out. But God, we trust in you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he who has begun a good work right here, right now, is faithful and will complete that work. Jesus, thank you. We praise you and we give you all the glory. Amen. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link.